Hello, friends, and welcome back. It's episode 61 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. Happy 2020. So much to get into this year. Really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Hope you've been checking out the Syracuse Football Podcast with Stephen Bailey, our brand new Buffalo Bills podcast with the great Matt Perino. A lot to listen to, and the best way to keep up with it is to subscribe. No matter where you listen to your podcast, if it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, find the Syracuse Sports Podcast, find Syracuse.com podcasts. Just hit that subscribe button, and when we give you a new episode of any of our podcasts here on this feed, you'll get it. Wherever you listen to your podcast, on demand, on your time. John Desco is my guest here on episode 61 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. The number 22 is a significant number at Syracuse. There's a number 22 on the roster this year, and Chase Scanlon is certainly getting his share of attention, and he's a player that we'll talk about with Coach Desco, but it's also his 22nd year as head coach. We'll discuss that, the team that he has, and the high expectations that have been placed on this team. There's always high expectations for Syracuse lacrosse, but this one in particular seems to have a little bit more. We'll talk about all of that with the Orange lacrosse head coach coming up. But there's another head coach that I want to start with today, and that is Jim Beheim. As we speak, Syracuse is 8-7, and 1-3 and three in ACC play, coming off that loss to Virginia Tech on Tuesday night. Another close loss for Syracuse. They lost by one to Notre Dame. They lost by four to Virginia Tech. But I'm at the point where not only you've got to talk me into this team being an NCAA tournament contender, you've got to talk me into this not being Jim Beheim's first losing season. Let me repeat that. Jim Beheim's first losing season. The man has been here 44 years as head coach and say all you want about Jim Beheim. He's never had a losing season. Well, I just brought it up. Syracuse is 8-7. and seven. They've got a tough road ahead in the ACC. Their defense, well, having its moments, they played great defensively against Virginia Tech at times on Tuesday night, is certainly not the usual 2-3 zone juggernaut that Jim is used to putting out. Jim has one of the youngest teams he's had with five freshmen, two playing a significant role on this team, Joe Girard at point guard and Quincy Garrier off the bench. How deep Jim is willing to go on that bench is something that's still up in the air at this point. Didn't see Howard Washington Jr. or Jesse Edwards come into the game on Tuesday. Now, stop me if you heard this before about Jim Beheim. He typically has a pretty small bench, but given the injuries, the inexperience, and the trust factor that's there, this may be what we see going forward, a six, maybe seven-man rotation, depending on what kind of matchup Syracuse has. My question is, how will you handle it? If this does, in fact, turn into the first losing season that Jim Beheim has had, he's 75 years old. Syracuse has had some recruiting hits and some recruiting misses in recent years. Some fans are really, some fans are quick to remind that Mike Hopkins at Washington is getting some of the recruits that Syracuse has targeted. And that's a game that we always play here. But how much benefit of the doubt do you give to Beheim if, in fact, they're on track? to have a losing season, or if they are on track to finish in the NIT, which, by the way, Syracuse so far has played eight teams in the top 100 of the Ken Pomeroy ratings. They're 1-7 in those games. There are opportunities ahead for this team to win some big games and get back on the right side of the NCAA tournament conversation. They still have Duke on February 1st. They still have Louisville and Florida State and a number of 
either quad one or quad two opportunities coming up in February. I think it's a tough road to beat Virginia at Charlottesville on Saturday, but the way college basketball is going these days, you just never know. Virginia lost to Boston College on Tuesday night, and who saw that coming? So that's the one thing that stops me short of declaring definitively that Syracuse is going to miss the tournament and that Syracuse is going to have a losing season. I see the recipe for it. I see the reasons why people here in early January are saying that. But I also know how weird college basketball can be. I've seen Jim Beheim teams get better as the season progresses, and they are right in the thick of an ACC that outside of the top, Duke, Louisville, Virginia, and those teams that rattle off the tongue is so wide open right now. On the other hand, that can work against Syracuse, especially considering the losses they've already piled up. It's going to be a wild ride, Syracuse fans, and if they do fall on the side of a losing season, of heading towards two three-letter postseason tournaments, ACC and NIT, how will you handle that as a fan? Maybe you look to lacrosse. The joke's been flying around there, certainly, on social media. Is it lacrosse season? As a matter of fact, it almost is. The Orange started practice this week, and they start their season in early February. And this is a season of high expectation for the Orange lacrosse squad. I talked about that with head coach John Desco. Let's take a listen. So, John, the the number 22 is being discussed a lot this year. But I'm not talking about Chase Scanlon. I'm talking about you. This is year 22 for you as head coach of the Syracuse lacrosse team. So when you, you think back to year one and now starting year 22, what's that journey been like for you? Uh, you know, it's been different every year. I think you go from uh, being an assistant coach for 19 years to being a head coach, and it's just uh, it's a, a different position. You know, you got to deal with a lot of different things. And uh, so it was an adjustment at first, but uh, now it's kind of old hat and still enjoying it as much as I did before. As they say, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? You've had the game expanding. You've had the game itself changing with rules and technology, and it's one of the fastest-growing sports in the country. It still is at a number of levels. When you, you kind of reflect on the changes in the sport itself, what are the things that really jump out to you in, in your time as head coach? Well, I think that it's... Um you know, really, like you mentioned, it's, it's really the growth of the game, especially at like the high school level. And uh, you look at rosters and where everybody's from, and it never used to be like that. It was always, you know, central New York, Baltimore, Long Island, and that's all the high school lacrosse that was out there. Now you're seeing different states. I mean, look at Tucker Dordovic from Oregon, whoever would have thunk it. So I think that it's uh, the change of the game. There's a lot more going on than used to be going on. Uh, players are all over. Recruiting's uh, more difficult because it's uh, you got to – be more places. We talked about it earlier in the press conference where, uh, you know, there might be six, eight, ten tournaments going on in one day and you've only got uh, three coaches on the road doing the recruiting. Uh, so it's changing. There's a lot more of it. So um, it's, it's changing, but we're keeping up with it. So there is a number 22 on the roster. We'll go to the other notable 22 there. And for, I think, half the battle there, Coach, and you've mentioned it at your press conferences and, and when we've talked about it in the past, 
I think half the battle is somebody's got to want that number, right? Somebody's got to embrace that number. So how encouraging was it to you that Chase came in and said, sure, I'll take that, and I'll take on the challenge that comes with it? Well, you're exactly right, and that's the attitude he had about it. Um, I've always been pretty careful with the number 22, making we get it on, we're sure we get it on the right person. Uh, but I think he's ready for it. You know, he's a heck of a lacrosse player. He's a great shooter, finisher, um, and he'll make his own mark. And, and we're still learning. We've only had him here for a few weeks in the fall. And now uh, with the season upon us, we're going to start, you know, practice tomorrow. And we'll, we're going to keep learning about it. But he has the right mindset for it. You noted that there are some of the things that he can do. But, but tell me about the player you think you're getting with Chase. Well, you know, he's a team player. He's uh, good at all aspects. He's a, he's a good rider. You know, some of the things that uh, people don't think about. Um, but he's a team guy. He seems to fit right in with everybody. Uh, we're probably going to use him, especially with guys like Tucker Dordovic back with his, with his shooting ability, probably use him in more of a finishing aspect than a dodging aspect, uh, which, which we know he can do. Uh, and we've got the other guys with the Currys and the Trimbolis and the Lipkas of the world, uh, Buttermores around that can dodge, you know, they can dodge a short stick midfielder, they can dodge a long stick midfielder. Uh, so they have those kinds of guys creating. We're going to try to use him in more of a finishing suit. You mentioned Tucker a couple times there, Coach. When we've seen him through fall ball and the process of him getting back on the field, what, what kind of player do you see? Is he back to what you, you thought he was before? Or what do you see with him and getting back on the field and recovering from that injury process? Yeah, well, you know, as we talked about, it's a, you know that was very frustrating to uh, – uh, do rehab for a year, come back. It looks like he's going to be ready for the season and get hurt again. So right off the bat this fall when he was cleared to go, you could see him just you know, going 110%. If anything, you wanted him to slow down. He was, he's going so hard. So a little bit anxious. He wants to make something happen right away. Uh, we've got to get him comfortable on the offense or on the, on the field within the offense and just get him making the right decisions because he's got great ability. As you sit here on the brink of a season, Coach, we mentioned a few individual names there, but looking at it, let's start with the attack unit. Just what's on your mind as practice starts and what needs to sort itself out there over the next month or so before you, you really dive in? Well, we've got Stephen Rafis back. Uh, you know, he gives us one guy with a lot of game experience, uh, gives us a little bit more on that lefty side, uh, which everybody needs. I think Griffin Cook has come back uh, a new player. You know, he's really recruited highly out of high school. And uh, last year, I, you know, he played well, uh, but it wasn't the same Griffin Cook that I saw in high school. This year, in the fall, uh, he's really stepped up his game. I think that, you know, he was playing with seniors before. Uh, he ran some in the midfield. We inverted him some a, a year ago. And now I think he kind of knows that it's his turn. Uh, he's a sophomore, now, sophomore after a year of, of experience, and he's really stepped up this fall, so we're looking for some big things from him. Uh, obviously, Scanlon, uh, who we've talked about already. Uh, Owen Siebold has done a nice job there. Uh, he had a, had a really good fall for us. Uh, you know, we've got some younger guys that we're still trying to figure out, and if we had to, we could move somebody down from the midfield to attack if we needed some depth there. Midfield is a very deep position on this team, Coach, and you brought it up with recruiting. I mean, to have a team with depth, to have two, three solid lines of midfield is, is a little harder to do these days because of the this, this, this spread of talent and where players are going these days. So to have this kind of depth at midfield, you got to feel good about that. I do, and, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the biggest problem would be trying to get everybody on the field, and, you know, given the game situation, uh, if it's a tight game, we've got to get the best three out there. So, and, and, and how they work within the offense and how they work with each, with each other. But we've got all the guys who've been playing together for a while. Uh, you know, I mentioned guys like Buttermore and Curry and uh, Lipka. Lucas Quinn has stepped up. Obviously, Tromboli's uh, been a player ever since his freshman year for us. So he's got a lot of experience there. And I'm even, you know, I'm not even mentioning some of the younger guys. 
Coach, uh, we mentioned the 22, but the 11, honestly, has probably been more notable in recent years and the players that have, have worn it on the defensive side. And, the, and I think you mentioned it at your press conference, kind of the rite of passage that that number has become. So Nick Mellon takes it on. He's been a big name on this team, and he's a local kid. He's a West Genesee guy, and he's been in the spotlight for a number of years here in Central New York. What a, what a year this could be for him. What are, what are your expectations of him leading that defense? Well, you know, I think he, uh, for a couple of years now, has been the top cover guy, you know, covering usually the other team's best attackman. Uh, he's got such good athletic ability that if, you know, if the team had a, a really good midfielder that uh, seemed to be their strength, we could bump him up into that position too uh, because of his athletic ability. He's got great feet, good stick, and uh, we're just looking for him to, you know, be a leader. He's one of the captains this year and, you know, kind of take over that defense, get the communication going between the other guys that are on the field. And uh, he's got a lot of experience, which should really pay off for us. And Cage, Drake Porter returns, and, you know, there's another player with experience, as you mentioned, with a couple guys there. You just you kind of need that year to kind of be the guy, see what it's like to do that, and now he comes in knowing what that process is like. What, what do you think is the expectation for him this season? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I, I thought he was very consistent last year. Uh, so just for him to step it up a notch. He's, uh, you know, I thought he was a very solid goaltender, one of the better goalies in the ACC a year ago. And uh, now just take over. You're comfortable. You've, you've seen, you've got that experience from a year ago. We've been a lot of tight games. And uh, we're going to need him to be very vocal also because, uh, you know, some guys are maybe playing different positions and we're still figuring out our close defense. Uh, you know, they need to function as a unit. And that communication, that talk between uh, the goaltender and the rest of the defense is very important. It's a unique situation for you this year, John, in that you're going to play about a month in the Dome, and then you're going to spend the rest of the season either on the road or outside. Uh, CNS is a terrific facility, and the fans will pack it in, and it'll, it'll feel different. But, and it, you know, we saw a game there last year and, and what it's like to do that, but still kind of a, a unique thing to, to look ahead on. I know you take it one game at a time, but as you kind of take a step back and say, boy, uh, this is going to be different. What, what's that uh, preparation like for you to, to deal with something like this? Well, you know, I think the preparation will be similar other than we're going to have to pay more attention probably to the weather, you know, as far as getting outside and practicing, uh, you know, in the elements. I think that we're really kind of spoiled to have this wonderful Ensley Center here uh, that has the same floor print as the Carrier Dome. So we go, you know, from wall to wall, we go from Ensley to the Dome. That, that helps us practice. But like you mentioned, that we're going to, after March, we're not going to have, or after February, we're not going to have those games in the Carrier Dome. So we've got to do whatever we can as a staff to plan practice and get outside and, and practice more than probably we have in the past. That's the where of the schedule, the who. You always have a tough schedule. You always have some of the best teams in the country on the slate. When you look at it and see some of the teams and the players you're, you're going to face, so it really jumps out to you. Well, you know, the ACC obviously is, a, is, is important to us because of the you know, seedings for the tournament, and obviously uh, that those games help your strength of schedule, which helps your RPI. Uh, so we're looking forward to all those games. We're looking forward to the local games, you know, the games that we're going to be having here in the Carrier Dome, uh, you know, with Army, Albany, uh, Colgate, Binghamton, Hobart. Uh, you know, these are all teams that will really raise their level when they play against the Orange. Um, and this year, Albany will be a little bit later in the season. We're going to be going there. Uh, for a change after all the years that they've come here early in the year. So we kind of owe them. So we'll go back there and, and play these games. Uh, Hopkins, I thought, really finished very strong last year. You know, we got them uh, in the Dome here earlier in the season. Uh, they definitely weren't hitting their stride. And when I watched them going down the stretch, they're a really, really good team. And uh, they return a lot of players like we do and maybe have one of the better attackmen in, in the country. 
uh, you know, playing for them. And they're always solid with Coach Petromala, you know, coaching the, the defense there. So just a few names that come to uh, come to mind after looking at the schedule. It's lacrosse season. Coach, good luck, and I know we'll be chatting again, but thanks for joining us today here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Here we go. Thanks for listening to Episode 61 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My thanks to Syracuse lacrosse head coach John Desco for joining us. would remind you to subscribe, Syracuse.com podcasts. Look for the Syracuse Sports Podcast. We've got our Buffalo Bills podcast with Matt Perino, the Syracuse Football Podcast with Stephen Bailey as well. Hit that subscribe button and they'll arrive wherever you listen to your podcasts on your time. Thanks for listening. My name is Brent Dax. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Brent Axe, and these are your Syracuse Sports Headlines. Former Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy has been added to the roster for the Dallas Renegades of the XFL. Dungy went undrafted after leading Syracuse to a 10-win season in 2018. He joined the New York Giants for training camp before being released, later joining the Cleveland Browns practice squad in October, but he was released by the Browns in December without earning a call-up to the active roster. Syracuse University has agreed to pick up the full cost for the Syracuse police officers who manage traffic at Carrier Dome events. City officials had previously proposed sharing the cost of police with the university. After pushback from Common Council, the city and Syracuse reopened negotiations and SU agreed to pay for all the police. Rocky Long has retired as head coach of San Diego State just two days after visiting Central New York and the Syracuse football team. Long announced his retirement from the Aztecs during a press conference. Defensive ends coach Steve Stenard has served as the interim defensive coordinator for the final three games of the season, but is not expected to remain in that position. Class of 2020 defensive back Durante Jones will take an official visit to Syracuse later this month. Jones, a senior at Mays High School in Atlanta, will take his trip to Central New York during the weekend of January the 24th. The 6'2", 170-pound Jones is rated three stars and the number 174 cornerback this cycle by 247 Sports. A former UAB committee does not hold an offer from the Orange but has received multiple visits from interim defensive coordinator Steve Stenard. Those are your Syracuse Sports headlines. I'm Brent Axe.